Hello and welcome to the Run With Ellie live show, the show that brings you stories from your everyday runners to professional athletes and other specialists in the running community who all share a common passion for the sport. I'm your host, Coach Allie. I hope my podcast can help you change the way you live and the way you move so in the long run, you're able to live a sustainable and healthy lifestyle that you deserve. The purpose of this podcast is to promote the love of running. Throughout my experience speaking with the individuals in the running community, I've found that many of us seek acceptance and relatability in some way, shape, or form. On Run With Alley Live, I tie together the common pain points and solutions through the stories told by the special guests on the show. Each individual has a unique running journey and shares how running impacts the mind and body in the sport and outside of it, both mentally and physically. So stop being so hard on yourself. Tune in right here weekly for new motivational episodes with special guests to inspire you to change your life for the long run. Thank you once again for joining us on Run With Ally Live. Please don't forget to support the show and our special show guests by clicking on the subscribe button in Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose to listen to the show on. Hi, everyone. Welcome back from the hiatus of Run With Ally Live. This is episode number 63, and here we have Elizabeth Kaur with us as our special guest today, who I'm super excited to have on the show. Uh, But before we dive in, just to give you a refresher on what the show is all about, uh, this is a place to promote the love of running. Throughout my experience speaking with the individuals in the running community, I found that many of us seek acceptance and relatability in some way, shape, or form. On Run With Alley Live, I tie together the common pain points and solutions through stories told by special guests on the show. Each individual I bring on has a unique running journey and how running impacts the mind, body, in the sport and outside of it, both mentally and physically. So thank you for joining us today on Run With Alley Live. Please don't forget to support the show and our special show guests by clicking on the plus follow button in Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you choose to listen to the show on. Make sure you hit the subscribe button. So now we are going to introduce our special guest, Elizabeth, who is the author of Boston Bound and is a Boston qualifier, a runner, an author, and a whole bunch of other great things. So thank you so much for joining the show today, Elizabeth. It's great having you. Thank you so much, Ali. I'm very honored to be here. I'm very honored to have you on here and very inspired just by your journey and the little that I know about you. So why don't we have you introduce yourself pretty briefly before diving into the first question? Sure. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Elizabeth Clore. I am 43 years old, so I'm a master's runner. I started running uh, after college, very shortly after having graduated college, just for something to to do and to occupy myself. Um, so that was at the age of 21. I was a gym rat slash treadmill runner for, I want to say, the first four years. And then I discovered road racing and uh, marathons uh, in the year 2005. And that was when I did my first 10k my first half marathon and then I set my sights on my first full marathon in 2006 I was 27 at the time Um, and since then I have just been absolutely addicted or in love with running long distances um, running short distances too fast uh, speed all of it Um, 
And I've, as of today, completed 30 marathons. I've qualified for the Boston Marathon, I think, 11 times. And um, I'm just going to keep running until I'm no longer able. Wow, that is a great goal and a very inspiring one. And it sounds like you built yourself up the right way, which I admire a lot. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, definitely. Yes, 30 marathons. Oh. Wow. Congratulations. That is a major like just buckleish check mark that I think is very admirable. I don't know if I'll get there myself. Uh, but wow, I'd love to hear, you know, more about your journey. But before we jump into that, uh, I do know that you did start loving the treadmill. And is that accurate? I started running by being a treadmill runner. And actually, it started as I was, I'll just go way back. I was a dancer from the, starting from the age of three. I was in dance lessons three times a week. In high school, I was on my high school dance team. Uh, and then when I went to college, I did aerobics classes there to kind of keep active. And so then I graduated college. I joined a gym for really for the sole purpose of doing the aerobics classes. Um, but the gym was expensive and I was a recent college graduate. So I wanted to get my money's worth. So on the nights that they didn't have step aerobics, I decided I would use the treadmill just because it was the most to me, it was the most cardio friendly, easy machine. I was afraid of the other machines that I didn't know how to use. Like I can, I know I can just get on a treadmill and run. So um, the first time I got on the treadmill, I, I did like one mile and I was like dead by the end of it. I think I had it set to like five, 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 six. So I, I definitely, I, I hated running in high school. I was, I never ran outside. I was literally just doing it to like, you know, use my gym membership because it, it was there and to, to just get into shape, build endurance. Um, so I started, what I loved about the treadmill back then, I, I don't quite love it now, what I loved about the treadmill back then was that it was a way for me to each week try to push myself a little bit further or a little bit faster. So every time I went, I would try to do like maybe one more minute or maybe an extra tenth of a mile or maybe this time I'm going to push the pace from 5.5 five to 5.6. Um, and so it was like, each week I was achieving like a goal and I felt really proud of myself. Like I was accomplishing something. And as a recent college graduate, I sort of needed that in my life because I didn't, it was the first time in my life where I didn't have like a school project or my grades or my tests. Um, and my career was kind of like entry level. So this was really what I was using to feel like I was doing something and, and accomplishing something. Yeah. Running. It's, it sounds like it gave you a purpose and I love that. Um, how do you set goals? Like, how do you go about setting goals for yourself? I love that you did that. Yeah, it wasn't any specific, like, I didn't write it down or like say, okay, I want to eventually run five miles. And in fact, if someone told me that I was going to be eventually running five miles, I would have completely laughed. Um, and so, and I think that's important because it's all about like the baby steps. And so each week I would just kind of get on the treadmill and say, I, I think I was on the treadmill two or three times a week and just say, okay, what am I going to do today? Well, what did I do last time? How can I just up it just a little bit? And so there was really no science or no coaching. It was just me wanting to just be a tiny little bit better each time. And in the process of doing that, you know, six months later, I was running five miles at, you know, 6.5 on the treadmill. It really didn't take very long. And, um, I really didn't think I had, I would be capable of it if you would have, as I said, if you would have told me at the beginning. So that's, you know, that's 
that's interesting. Um, and I feel like a lot of runners could relate to that. Uh, you know, me included, it's, it's like, you think of a daunting mileage, five miles, let alone a marathon. Right. And it's like, okay, how am I going to get there? Uh, but I know I haven't read your book yet and I can't wait to purchase it. Um, but I did skim it and I know that a lot of it, um, and a lot of your like breakthroughs have to do with, you know, you overcoming some mental battles and, you know, um, for me too, I could relate very well to that. And I'm sure the listeners on here can as well. So I'd love for you to more like speak to mentally how you prepare yourself for anything when it comes to like setting yourself out for a run. Yeah, absolutely. So what I just described was kind of like the honeymoon phase of running that sort of any new runner goes through because you have so much potential. We all do. And when you're new at something, you've got just so much potential. So the more and more you do it and the more experience you have, it's going to get harder and harder to, to, you know, you can't infinitely run an extra 10 minutes each time you go. That's not possible. So um, I just got, I, I sort of got carried away with this feeling of accomplishment. Um, and I had a mental obstacle of then learning how to just be happy if I, if I wasn't constantly achieving something all the time. So in the example of running, when you set a personal record or you run your fastest 5k, your fastest marathon, I feel, I mean, it feels really, really good. And then you want to go and you want every time you want to go out there, you want it to be your best, your fastest ever. And it can't be um, just because it's just impossible. But when I was starting to run kind of in my late twenties, um, that concept was foreign to me. I wanted to set a PR every time. And so when I didn't, I'd get really upset, um, just abnormally upset over it. And um, so the mental obstacle was learning to just not be so so much of a perfectionist. Um, And because I wanted to PR so badly, particularly at the marathon distance, uh, especially like my first, I think my first five marathons were all PRs because, you know, the first one, my goal was just to finish it. And then my second one, just a little bit faster. And then I kind of reached that point where it was like finally starting to get down to like, I'm, I want to reach a 340 and that's, that's a lot harder to do than like a four hour marathon. So, um, basically once I stopped being able to, to set PRs, I would put more pressure on myself to set a PR. And the more pressure I put on myself, the more anxiety I would have, which would mean I wouldn't perform as well. Cause when you're anxious and you're putting pressure on yourself, you can't perform at your best. So then I wouldn't PR. And then the next time I'd be even more anxious. So there was like this cycle, this vicious cycle of getting all anxious about it, failing, getting anxious again, failing again. So I really had to find a way to break the cycle of setting myself up for failure because I was putting so much pressure on myself to get a PR and to qualify for Boston. Yeah. And thank you so much for sharing that. And it's so much easier to do that and just stay in that cycle. And it's really hard to pull yourself out of it too. Um, You know, Boston is a major, major accomplishment that most marathoners, like once they finish their first one, they're like, all right, Boston, let's go. You know, and it's a tough race to qualify for, but it's rewarding as as you know, um, in its own way, it's special. Uh, So, you know, you were a new runner, you were progressing, you you know, made it to the marathon distance through 10Ks, half marathons, ran five uh, five marathons. And when you hit that plateau and you experience all these, you know, mental battles and all this anxiety and you wanted to continue training, how did you go about 
continuing to have running in your life, but enjoy it and keep it fun. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, there were several years where it wasn't fun. I mean, I, I enjoyed the act of running. I did enjoy the act of going out and training, but I, it was this like this dark shadow hanging over me, like this monkey on my back because, um, most of my friends had qualified for Boston. I felt like I was the only one who hadn't. And I, I kept trying. It was like the first time I tried, I didn't get it. So, okay, no big deal. No one, not many people are going to get it on their first try. So try again. Second time. Okay, that's fine. But then after the third, fourth and fifth and sixth time of not qualifying for Boston, it really got to me. And I would, I would run these races. I would be depressed for like days or even weeks after. And it just became, even though I enjoyed doing it, it just still felt like I had a monkey on my back and I had to prove something to other people. And so I really was not able to get out of it on my own. Uh, and it was affecting just my overall well-being. So that's when I sought help of a, a sports psychologist who um, my goal was to help not just help me be cute, but to help me relax, help me uh, be more of a um, put less pressure on myself, be happier, enjoy the sport more, um, because I wasn't able to do that without help. And so that's when I started seeing a sports psychologist on a weekly basis to figure out how to go about um, setting myself on a positive pattern where I wasn't um, beating myself up and depressed every time I failed to set a PR. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that because I'm sure that's not easy to share. And I think that everyone should see a sports psychologist, honestly, if they could after running a marathon and, you know, maybe two, because that's marathon depression is a thing. It is a thing that's not really spoken about. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it seems like it, you're in a great place now. And, you know, uh, I mean, I'm proud of you for seeking that out by yourself because, you know, as being a marathon runner too, I just understand how, tough it could be to kind of compare yourself to others and not hit breakthroughs and set goals that you're not, I guess, achieving. And you're like, why is this happening to me? And you, you're just like, you know, you're screaming for help. So I'm glad, you know, that really helped you. Um, you know, and I know we've kind of deviated from the script, but I'm just really enjoying this conversation right now. It's very, it's, it's amazing. Um, so, you know, um, do you still, if you don't mind me asking, do you still see that sports psychologist? No, I saw him uh, every day. Oh, sorry, every I saw him every Sounds week. Sounds wow, That's great. Yeah, <laughs> not every day. I saw him once a week. Uh, I think starting in 2012, um, and I saw him once a week for two years, and then in 2014, after I kind of felt like I was in a much better spot, I would see him like on a monthly basis, and then I stopped seeing him altogether in 2016. Um, so I haven't seen him since 2016. So it was really two years of sort of weekly working on it um, and then sort of more of a maintenance mode. Um, but it made so much of a difference in my life. And the reason I wrote the book was because this experience of working with the sports psychologist and the transformation that I made had so much more to do than just about my running. It changed my whole outlook on life. I felt like it really uh, was able to address some of the core issues that I've had ever since I was you know, a teenager, low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, caring too much about what other people think, perfectionism, uh, all of that, uh, I was really able to address. And I think particularly, and I didn't realize how much this was impacting me and my happiness, was 
how much I, I really cared about how other people thought and that that if um, that would really impact my own personal satisfaction, my happiness. And that was holding me back. And the revelation that, you know, what other people think of me doesn't really matter and it shouldn't matter. And I can do what I want and I can free myself of their judgment just by deciding that I'm going to. And I have that power was so liberating. And once I had that breakthrough, I felt free. Like I didn't have to prove anything to myself. I didn't have to prove anything to anyone else. I could just do what I wanted. And it was like this big weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. And I uh, really reached a turning point and everything just kind of fell into place after I had come to that breakthrough. Wow. Um, that's just, that's amazing. And so after that breakthrough and after you kind of got some introspective and, you know, kind of just, you stopped giving a crap about what anyone thought. You were like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm not, I don't mean anything poorly on you if I'm not, you know, going to like run with you today, but I just need to do this for me. Do you think that allowed you to qualify for Boston and run it? Yeah, I absolutely do because I would go to, I'd go into races without the mindset of this is the race where I'm going to prove to everybody what I can do. And I also got rid of the notion that like, it's got to be the next race. I said, I know I want to qualify for Boston at some point. It doesn't need to be this marathon today. This marathon today is just about giving my best self, focusing on pushing as hard as I can, executing, relying on my training. Um, and keeping that in mind, I would go into these marathons so much more relaxed and in turn that did allow me to perform better. And so once I hit that um, that breakthrough, I got my marathon down. It had been a plateau at 350 for like the longest time for like five years. I had been at 350 and then I got it down to 348 and then 343 and then 340. Um, so it didn't happen in one chunk, but yeah, it eventually happened. That's amazing. And so it really does seem like your mind was holding you back from this amazing breakthrough that you once maybe thought wasn't possible. Yeah, because I would, I had like really fast half marathons or five K's and 10 K's. You plug it into the calculator. It would predict, you know, a 335 really fast, much a faster time than I'd ever run. Uh, and then I would do my tempos, my long runs, all of the training runs would indicate that I had the physical ability and I had the fitness. So that made it all the more frustrating when I'd go to the race and then I just get so anxious that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I think that that fitness had been there for many years. It was just my mind, my mind was truly my biggest obstacle. I, yeah, you know, it could get in the way sometimes. It, can, it could do that. Um, do you remember your first Boston Marathon, like running it? I do, absolutely. My first was in 2016. So I guess that was, gosh, like six years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, you know, um, the Boston Marathon is a hard course. Heartbreak Hill, as you know, is not the only hill in it. So I'm just curious to hear your thoughts because especially where that hill is, it's like the 17, a little past that mile marker. Um, yeah. Like, do you, like at that point in the marathon, do you remember like how you were feeling? And you, like, you could say you don't. It's fine. I'm just, I'm I do. No, just I do. Because, <laughs> yeah, that might have made or made, you know, a lot of things that have helped you to, you know, come to where you are today with your running and life. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I, I definitely remember my first heartbreak kill very well, and it was ex excruciatingly painful. I think for me, that marathon was um, my biggest challenge there wasn't so much the course, but the heat. It was 70 degrees, full on sun. Um, it was in April, so I wasn't acclimated. I ended up in the medical tent, unfortunately, with the hyponatremia, with the electrolytes out of balance. I, I didn't take in enough electrolytes. So I think um, by the time I reached Heartbreak Hill, I was already suffering from um, not being well hydrated and from the heat exhaustion. So that made the hill even more difficult. And I vowed that I was not going to walk. So I did run up it, but I ran up it very, very, very slowly. And it was very painful. And really at that point, and I think what many people do is I just relied on all the people around me, knowing that everyone around me is going through exactly what I'm going through. And if we all work together, we can just encourage people. So encouraging the person next to me really gave me extra energy and then they encouraged me. So um, I think that the most amazing thing about Heartbreak Hill is all the people going through it together. And even though it's very difficult, um, you all know that you earned a spot there and just to make it there is huge. Um, and then getting over it and then getting over the subsequent um, hills in the race is just, it's kind of a team, a team effort, at least that's how I see it. Wow. Yeah. You, you sound like power woman, like superwoman, just powering through the Boston Marathon course right now. Um, you know, how, like, I mean, I guess running so many marathons and, you know, like having so many experiences, especially Boston, have you been able to reframe your mindset, like in terms of how running you get to run, not like, oh my gosh, when is this going to be over kind of mindset? Yeah, I yeah, I mean, and training is different from racing, you know, in that in that way. When when you're racing, it's always it's almost always like, gosh, I just can't wait for this to be over because if you're really racing and you're really pushing to your max, it's it's going to hurt, um, and that's the way it should feel. So I think just very recently, and when I say very recently, I mean this just this past November. I think I had another breakthrough where I really learned while I was running this 10K, I told myself beforehand that the only thing that mattered in this 10K was that when it started to hurt, I would think, yes, 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 this is exactly what I want. Give me more, bring it on. This is right, I'm doing it. I came here to hurt. My goal is to hurt as much as I possibly can, which I know sounds kind of crazy, but that that's the way you're gonna make breakthroughs and that's the way you're gonna run your fastest race. And even though I don't think that I was in my best fitness shape of my life during that turkey trot, I did set a new 10K PR, I think just because I wanted it so badly and I had the mindset of this this pain is exactly what I want and what I need to, to get my goal. Interesting. I love, I love that. I love the way you just, that's why I'm smiling right here. Just that couldn't have been better put. Yes. Just so much yes to that. Wow. Um, do you think that an experience before that um, alluded to you being able to say that to yourself during a race? Um, you know, I know you had an injury. And yes. so I would love to hear more about that. And, you know, maybe you this was a silver lining out of that, it sounds. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the, the injury, it was um, so in 2019, I fell off a bike and I hit my entire sort of pubic bone, pelvic region. Um, the bike stopped and I fell and I slammed that in and I had this big, huge bruise and um, didn't get an MRI at the time. But um, 
my pubic bone in that whole area had never felt the same ever since. I never quite recovered, but um, I was still able to run, um, you know, for almost two years. You know, this was in the summer of 2019. So all of 2020 ran, would feel it occasionally. But then uh, I think it all kind of came to your head in um, early 2021 when I started running like these 80 mile weeks and I started just putting a lot more pressure on it. Um, and I ended up tearing an adductor, which I think was probably already sort of close to having been torn or maybe it was already torn, but I torn it further. Um, as I never let that bike accident heal properly. Um, I think it also maybe changed the way that I ran because I think I had a certain way of running before. And then since this, bike accident never I never really recovered fully I think it changed probably changed my form and my gait causing this injury so that's my best um, guess it's my physical therapist and my doctor's best guess as to how it happened um, and I think it happened during a marathon even though I didn't there was no one specific moment where I was like oh I just tore my adductor tendon um, when I finished re running this marathon this past March um, I, my sort of my crotch area was on fire. It was like, I was like walking around just like grabbing that area, which was very unladylike, but it was, oh it gosh. wasn't so, I was in so much pain. <laughs> and I'm just like, man, I'm the only one who like hurt their crotch during this race. Like it was just crazy. Um, injuries but, are just weird, you know, yeah, <laughs> not weird, but yeah, I'm so sorry so, we went through that. Yeah. So I ended up, um, you know, I took the week off that I always take after the marathon and it seemed to have calmed down. So then I started to run again. And when I started to run again, like a week later, it did not feel right at all. I gave it a few tries and then I went and got an MRI and they diagnosed the torn adductor tendon with a, what they call moderately severe osteitis pubis, which is inflammation of the pubic bone. And the two kind of go hand in hand. That can also be called a sports hernia. Um, so that's kind of another name for the injury. So I was out after that. I was, if you include the week I took off after the marathon, I was out for nine weeks. Okay. Not too bad. Nine weeks, but you know, it's still enough to probably, mm -hmm. you know, feel a little hurt mentally, of course, physically. Yeah. Um, have you just started strength training like after this injury um, and, you know, strength training with like a PT and with a, with a trainer, um, I guess I would say like more systematically than you did prior to. Yeah, I had actually started strength training um, right after COVID hit um, because of the ability to, you know, do it virtually and, and things like that um, and the ability to have more time since I no longer commuted. So I started that in April of 2020. Um, so I had been doing strength training religiously for almost a full year when it happened. But when it did happen, I started working with the PT in addition to my strength training coach. And um, what kind of got me through it mentally was that instead of running every day, I'd go into my basement, which is my gym, and I would do all the physical therapy exercises. And it would take an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to do everything. And I did it every single day, like not the same things every day, but different exercises that I was given um, to get really strong. Um, of course now I don't have the time to strength train every day, but when I was injured, I did. So, um, I also did just, just different like drills, um, that would help with my form. So it was about retraining my body on how to move correctly and not rely on the adductors. So I kind of had to 
retrain my brain and um, learning how to use the glutes when I run and not any other part of my body. So, uh, so that was, it could have, it had the potential to be a really difficult, like nine weeks. And I think the reason why it wasn't was because I just was so focused on the cross training. I went swimming almost every day. I did PT. I was just so busy with all the rehab that that mm-hmm. kind of distracted me from the fact that I wasn't running because I had things to do. I think the hardest part about it was wondering if I'd ever be able to run the 70, 80 mile weeks again, or if I'd ever set another PR, if I'd ever get back to my previous fitness. Um, I've had long setbacks before, so I knew that I would, if I could get back healthy, that I'd get back there. But I wasn't sure, like, I just read all these horror stories online. Oh, I had osteoarthritis pubis and you know, it's been nine months and I'm still not normal. And I had to, st- I had to step away from the Facebook groups because of all these horror stories of people who had the injury who just couldn't overcome it. Um, so that was, I think, the hardest part was worrying that I was never going to get better. But I mean, I fair enough. And yeah, and you did. <laughs> fair enough. And that, you know, now you just pr in a 10K, which is amazing. And you're like, yes, this pain. This is what I trained for. Yes. And look what you did. That's amazing. That's just because yes. I think it sounds like you're just so appreciative, like of it all. Yes, and I mean that's the good pain. I don't, I just want to put that caveat out there. If something hurts, yeah. like you feel like you have a stress fracture, or it's the bad kind of pain, you need to stop. The pain I was referring to is that I'm pushing to my limits. My lungs hurt. My whole body is is in this. Um, there's not, and I'm not injured. So that's definitely the kind of pain that that I was embracing. And just um, yeah. I think having the injury just made me want to to get out there and, and run my absolute best whenever I had the opportunity, because you never know when there's going to be an injury or a race is going to be canceled. Um, you never know. So when you have the opportunity to go out there and run fast and it's good weather and you're in shape, go for it. I love that. I love that. And you really never do know. You never do know. Um this is all amazing. So just two questions. Um, you know, I know we're like yeah. coming to end of our time here somewhat, but wow. Um, this is just such great information. Um, do you recommend just like training all year round, whether it's running specific or cross training based on your experience? Yeah, based on my experience, I think you're going to want to have times that are heavier and times that are lighter. I don't think you need to take like 100%. I'm just going to be a couch potato for like two weeks. I don't think that is necessary. Um, I think you could benefit from a week or two of maybe no running and just swimming or just strength training, or um, even if you wanted to dial dial the running back. So for me, what I what works for me and it's different for everyone is that I try to run a fall marathon and a spring marathon. And I train really hard for those. And then in the summer, uh, because I'm heat sensitive and I know I can't tolerate it, I dial the mileage back. I do some cross training. I work more on strength. Um, and so by the time it, it, you know, September rolls around and it's time to start training, I'm mentally ready. I'm physically ready. I didn't burn myself out over the summer. And I think if you're always going at 100% effort and training at full capacity, you're going to burn out. So, um, and I think that's part of the reason why I did get that injury is, um, I was supposed to have run a marathon three weeks earlier, but that was canceled. So I, I uh, extended my training cycle and gave myself three extra weeks of 80, 70, you know, 75 to 80 weeks. And so that was not good. 
um, and that resulted in injury as well. So I just definitely think that there needs to be some sort of periodization of, you know, you're, you're at your peak training, you do your race, you back off and then you do it again. Yeah. And just different training blocks, which it seems like you have it figured out now through your experiences, which is that that's, you know, why I asked you that question. And that's amazing. You know, yeah. there is a beauty to experiencing these things, even though at the time I know the injury was unpleasant, but I feel like, you know, it, you're so much stronger for it in many ways. Yeah. And sometimes in training, less is more. Do I need to be running 75 to 80 mile a week to PR in the marathon? And, and I don't think I need to, even though I have in the past. I think it's just being smart about it. And I, I think so much, so much of it, another lesson that I learned, it just comes down to do you have a good day? Is the weather good? Do you feel good? Is your body up to it? Like, is it going to be a good day or is it not going to be your day? And it doesn't always necessarily matter how many miles a week you trained when I feel like that is such a huge factor. Yeah. You know, I think that, let, let me ask you a question. Do you think that that applies to everyone that less is more, or do you think that some individuals might benefit from more aerobic, easy runs and less, you know, less speed work and quality sessions? Um, yeah, I would love to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, no, I think it depends on the person. I think sometimes more is more and sometimes less is more. And I think figuring that out um, is why I think it's important to work with a coach. I've been working with a coach since 2014 and just guessing at it really probably won't get you there. And so you need to really optimize for when when do I need to be working harder? When do I need to be trying to run my max mileage and when is less more? So knowing that, and and it's impossible to know it perfectly, but if you do, then you're training optimally. Yeah. You know, I just, I think having a coach is amazing. Um, I always say every coaching is a coach. I'm just like you. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, to my coach too. um, I, I always say, you know, can you pick my blind spots and tell me like what I'm not seeing here? Because we all need help. We all, you know, need support. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, uh, again, another really smart decision that you made about, you know, finding that customization and someone will really work with you and help you keep running for your entire life, hopefully. Yeah. And that's really my goal now. As I said at the beginning, I'm 43 years old. And my main goal now is just to be healthy and to run as long as I'm able. Yeah. I I mean, that's a great goal. That's a great goal too. So for 2022, do you have any races? I do. I am running Boston. I never know what's going to happen in these crazy times. Um, I plan to run the Boston Marathon in April and uh, also plan to run the Shamrock Half Marathon as my tune-up. And uh, I, for Boston, in terms of like my goals there, I feel like it's, it's such a difficult course and the weather is difficult and logistics are difficult. And I just try to focus on running strong and having fun. So I don't try to really PR Boston. Although I do train very hard for Boston, so I want to be very prepared, but I also want to set realistic expectations for what that course is. So I if I love do, that, I, yeah. I love yes. that advice. Like that is great advice. I just, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but to any listeners on here who you have a race coming up and you might feel anxious that you need to get some sort of time. Um, there are other goals you could set, like finishing strong and enjoying the freaking race because it's awesome, um, like Elizabeth right here. And, you know, good things could come of that. You never know in a marathon. You never know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think you always, when you run a marathon and maybe other distances are different, you sort of need to have a target because you have to plan for it. You can't just be like, oh, I don't have a goal. I'm just going to go out there. I mean, you do. You have to sort of know what you're going to shoot for. And I usually don't decide that until I know the weather because, you know, mm. that will be a big factor. So um, I sort of always take that into consideration. But, you know, I always have like a ballpark of, you know, like a 10 minute sort of range. I think it's good to set a range and to try to be like super specific about it. Um, but I'll probably set a goal of maybe running my, it'll be my third Boston. So maybe running my fastest Boston, but not my fastest marathon. That's a great goal. Yes. And, you know, just dialing back the paces a little bit, if the weather's not so great, but if it's great and you're feeling good to, you know, use those ranges. I see you talk a lot about that in your posts also. I love that. Um, to like give yourself the grace of being okay with maybe going a little slower and being okay with going a little faster and hurting in the best way a little more, you know, but both are a good hurt. And yeah, just having flexibility and adaptability like that is just, I think only setting yourself up for success. If you ask me and yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when I ran my most recent marathon in November, I set it up so that I started at a pace where the pace that I was running for the first, you know, 10K would not give me a PR, but it was also fast enough that if I felt really good, I could speed up at the end and then get a PR. So it was sort of like, I'm going to run this pace that I'm comfortable with, and then I'll either feel good enough to pick it up or I won't, and then I won't. Um, and so I ended up running a pretty even race and sort of finishing at the same pace that I started at. So I was fine with it. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that sounds amazing. And, you know, um, to any aspiring first time marathon runners on here, just understand that running takes time. There's a bunch of different goals you could set as Elizabeth has said, you know, PRing is great, but running for life and being able to have that gift is amazing too. Um, so, you know, Elizabeth, last question, I promise wrapping up right here. Um, why did you say yes to being on the run without a live podcast? If I may ask. <laughs> Oh, well, I just love sharing um, as much as I can about my journey. As I said earlier, it's why I wrote the book. And I think that um, my experience has potentially something to offer other people just in terms of learning how to manage anxiety, learning how to set realistic goals, um, doing what you want and not worrying about what other people think. So whenever I have the opportunity to speak out about my experience with marathoning, I always take it. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. And for everyone listening, Elizabeth's information is going to be in the show notes across all of the platforms we're on, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Podchaser. So stay tuned for the podcast going live. And yeah, don't forget to subscribe and follow Elizabeth and get her book, Boston Bound. I'm getting it today, too. And Elizabeth, thank you so much uh, for, you know, being on the show and taking the time to share this wealth of knowledge that I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Allie. This has been a great experience. Yes, thank you so much. And to everyone else, have a great day. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to become a member on my website to get updates on my weekly new special episodes on the show sharing fun running feats, training methodologies, and all things running related to help you keep your running fun. Reference the link in the show notes to become a member of the Run With Alley community so you can connect with other like-minded individuals who love running just as much as you do. Again, do not forget to subscribe to the show by clicking the follow plus button, Apple Podcasts, 
or subscribing on whichever platform you're listening to the show on. Please leave a review under the episode in whichever directory you're listening to the show in so I can better provide you with the top-notch content I strive to deliver you week in and week out. Thank you again for listening to Run With Alley Live. If you are looking for the perfect solution to finish your first marathon injury-free, even if you've tried to get in shape in the past and failed, sign up and get access to your free 24-week program now by clicking in the link in the show notes under this episode. Sign up now. All you need to submit is your email and I'll see you on the inside. Thank you so much for listening to Run With Alley Live. See you next time.